0: Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show, too. My guest today is Dr. Garrett Hynek. Garrett is a USDA ARS cropping systems agronomist in the Northwest Sustainable Agroecosystems Research Unit and is stationed in Prosser, Washington. He received a B.S. from the University of Wisconsin-River Falls and an M.S. and Ph.D. from the University of minnesota in plant breeding and genetics, focusing on perennial grass seed production systems. In his current role, he will be adding his expertise to a diverse team of ARS researchers, working together to improve the sustainability and profitability of agroecosystems throughout the PNW dry land region.
1: Hello, Garrett. Good to be back on the show, Drew.
0: Thanks ah, for having me. Ah, thanks for coming in today. Um, can you talk a little bit about your research objectives in 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 this unit
1: yeah for sure um i think i went over them a couple times or once in the last podcast but i give you a quick a quick update might kind of prime this uh, podcast here so i have three facets that i'm working on Uh, one is intercropping so you may have remembered isaac madsen's piola i'm also doing uh, garbola which is garbanzos and canola and then i also focus on perennial grains Uh, And this is in partnership with the Land Institute. So we're we're trialing Kernza at several locations um, across eastern Washington and hopefully stretching out into northeast Oregon as well soon. However, I don't really have a ton of data or conclusive data yet to speak to either of those two projects. So what I would like to talk to you today about is the third facet of research, which is... uh, farmer co-innovation and co-production and kind of how does the ARS work with farmers in conjunction with our university partners.
0: So uh, can you broadly kind of describe uh,
1: what capacities you engage with farmers? Oh, sure. Yes. uh, So it's been a really an interesting journey that I've, I've taken over the past about two years now. Um, and it kind of started out with me just reaching out to folks, uh, people that my research unit has had worked with previously, or folks that maybe just had approached me or I'd met through, through chance as, as I, um, drove around Eastern Washington. And so the approach initially was just to have a open mind, you know, and see what happened. And as things have progressed, um, what I've really been finding out is, is that, the questions that the farmers are asking really drives the kind of research approach and methodology uh, that needs to be employed. And so if you can kind of think about the engagement that the ARS and perhaps even WSU or OSU have with their stakeholders, I think of it as a continuum. Um, on one side, you have farm farmer-driven research where the farmer is really driving their own research on their ground. And they may only engage with the scientists um, at field days. We might have winter meetings, but they're the ones in the driver's seat, quite literally, uh, getting the field set up, maybe even taking their own data. And whether they want to share that data with us – um, as far as part of a research project is really up to them. As you slide across that that moving research scale, depending on the question, uh, you get closer to things like uh, on-farm strip trials, uh, things like uh, the Ralston project, which uh, my predecessor uh, initiated. Quite a few years ago, and it's still going on today. And then further, as you slide over, you have things like I would say, like more like variety trials or smaller agronomic trials, where you're going into the farmer's field, but you have very specific small plot ground that you're working on. And then even further, we get to our research on our research and extension sites and our research farms, like the Wilkie Farm. And then all the way down to uh, lab-based work, where you're really working in a um, very controlled environment to answer very specific questions, and so as I work through this, um, that's kind of the model that I'm I'm trying to build. Is when we interact with farmers initially, how do we assess the questions that they're asking, and which which part of that continuum do we need to be working on to address their questions? Okay, I imagine there's lots of different questions out there because
0: there's lots of different farmers. How do you how do you uh, take the input you get? and decide which of those issues you really wanna dive into or need to dive into?
1: Oh, that is a great question because one thing that I identified right away is that I'm not, I'm not an extension agent and I'm not, even if I was one, I wouldn't be a very good one. And <laughs> so it's good that I'm not. Um, and so how do, you, how do you take all of this input from all these different, very diverse operations that are, they have to be diverse because they're across a huge rain gradient and the equipment's different, the, when they're putting the crop in, What the crop is, is all different. And so, what our research unit has been trying to invest in is um, a network of university uh, staff and faculty that uh, work with these people um, so that they can kind of be the vanguard to start um, to assimilate all the questions and the input from farmers. So, for example, Carol McFarland. Uh, recently started working with our research unit and we're still trying to figure out exactly how we facilitate the engagement with farmers. I know Carol's been on the the podcast before. And and so I, you know, if you're more interested in how we're engaging in that capacity, I would say, go back and listen to her podcast um, because she's really on the vanguard as far as my research goes in engaging upfront with farmers and then figuring out, well, how can we, if at all, uh, work with them if if that's what they would like. So that's that's really how I'm taking all that input and, and kind of moving it around. So, thank you for that question.
0: Okay, so so how does uh, this tie in with the, uh, both the ARS and the WSU research objectives um, that are out there? We we're both uh, institutions have their objectives. Each individual researcher
1: has their objective. How, how do you tie all this into those? Yeah, it's, it's really kind of a challenge, right? And it's something that we're still working through. I think it will take quite a few years to figure out. Um, but I can, I can say that ARS, typically, we are not an extension organization. We're a research organization. And so we 100% need to be reliant on our university partners to really facilitate these interactions and then also disperse the information that we're gathering uh, to, to, the, to our stakeholders across the state.
0: Okay. I know one one thing I've – ARS and universities are kind of funded a little bit differently. Um, In the universities, we tend to rely on two-, three-year grants that we get, and and the ability to do longer-term research is a bit limited, whereas the ARS funding tends to be there, right? So uh, you still need some grants to support some of your work, but you don't have those – you don't have the constraints at university. So uh, longer-term type of research seems to be something that falls the heiress maybe a little more than university. Is that something uh, – have you worked in any long-term projects? Are you thinking of any long-term projects
1: that you're taking on? Yes. There's, so this – and I'll kind of harken back to my original thought on that continuum of research. Uh, these long-term trials can fall anywhere – on this spectrum, really, if the, if the farmer wanted to, they could have all their own long-term trial and we could coordinate with them. Um, but really, I think that um, generally speaking, we're talking probably about like strip trials or a, like a, a farm, like the Cook Agronomy Farm, where we'll have long-term research. And the ARS is well set up to conduct that research, right, because we are a fairly well hard-funded organization through federal dollars. Um, but we have some, we, we come up short in some points where the university systems come up a little stronger, right? So oftentimes if a professor writes a grant and brings on a postdoc or a student, then we can essentially talk with them. What is the student interested or the postdoc? What are they interested in doing? And then we've got these long-term sites. Let's think about a question, that a very specific question that they can they can dive into and try to address within the context of our long-term sites. But we have long-term sites. Uh, there'll be one starting up soon in the Horse Heaven Hills. Um, of course, we have like the Wilkie Farm is a long-term site that I work. I work with Aaron Esser on uh, the Cook Farm, the Ralston Project, and your Lind, and then Lind itself. So there's just a whole plethora. Of long-term sites, and again, we're still trying to figure out—you know—how are we actually going to do all this work? But the possibilities seem to be almost limitless. Uh, in a previous life, I was a
0: dryland cropping system specialist in Western Nebraska, and long-term studies just—I've always uh, been in favor of trying to keep those going because, in any given year, anything is possible in the dryland. But you know, what's possible over the long run is is really takes long-term. Investment of, of research dollars and commitment by researchers, so just a, a a pet project of mine is to make sure we continue some of those in, in particularly in dryland areas like eastern washington so So what is your method of engagement uh, with growers and how do you derive your research question in this engagement?
1: Um, that's another really pertinent question, thanks drew because um, it's a lot of work actually to derive the question. And I think you'll be talking with Nick Bergman in a future or in another podcast. And what I've learned with working with him, which he'll elaborate more on this, is um, we. What I'll rely on is actually people who really specialize in facilitation, um, especially for talking about the way left side of the spectrum. The, the first uh, point I was talking about with uh, larger on-farm trials, it can get pretty complicated, right? You get a group of growers. Um, they're going to be talking about everything from crop insurance to what the weather was like last week, and so how do you how do you uh, sit down and really have a really good discussion, not drive the discussion, but co co facilitate that uh, that discussion between the researchers and the farmers. And then get at the, the questions that are most pertinent to that entire group, and that requires someone who's to be honest uh, skilled in that and so that is uh, one of our our foci is trying to figure out who and uh who who can actually do this kind of facilitation and how it's done and and where where does it fit in in the research portfolio um, because it's it's a complicated question if you don't get it right, um, I think you miss out on a lot of really important things because the farmers know what needs to be done more than i do you know we just have to get that information from them um in a manner that represents certain groups of farmers depending on where they are so yeah
0: yeah i could see you possibly investing a lot of time and money answering the wrong question too exactly
1: yeah i don't want to go down the wrong the wrong path um and we need representative representative questions too that, that are not going to be impactful for many years, especially when it comes to long-term research. So you don't want to invest in the wrong question, that's for sure.
0: Okay. So what does the future hold for, for
1: your on-farm research uh, portfolio? Uh, a lot of driving, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, got a nice big truck. Um, I think, honestly, it's, it is a lot of um, investing in actually the, getting to each site and really seeing what the farmers are working with and really understanding where they're coming from, it's just been completely, um, it's almost mind-boggling, all of the variability that, that these producers work with. And when I speak with, I was just meeting with some a uh, farming family this morning before I, this recording and talking about where they see, they they, they need put, to get their farm to in the next five years. And then you go west and it's a totally different story depending on the weeds, depending on the markets, depending on what they can grow or what they can't grow. And so the short term future is to, for me to keep learning about how we can do research. Um, long term, I think, uh, the long term research that you had just brought up is going to be something that I'll keep heavily investing in from a research portfolio standpoint. But then being able to set those projects up so there can be some wiggle room as the questions change. So it's, it's really, I think it's, it's really going to be a lot of, uh, getting a lot of input in, having a lot of good discussions, and then long term developing the mechan- the the methodology in order to answer those questions, whatever they might be. Right, we've got to have that whole suite of of research methodology at our disposal from from really great lab people um, who can who can answer things on a very uh, specific scale to facilitators who are able to work with large groups of farmers in any area of our um, long-term research site, which which is a vast area. I think I'll just quickly mention that our LTAR um, covers about, I think it's about 26 million acres. So it's very large. And so we have to address growers in all of those regions. And so, yeah, just thinking about all of the questions that they might have and how we can answer them. And LTAR stands for? Oh yes, uh, the Long Term Agroecological Research Network, and this is a little bit different than the LTARE. Um, it's very similar in concept, but we're, uh, we're we're tied in with the National ARS group, and so this gives us a lot of um, power from the standpoint of doing research and collaborating with other other uh, researchers from around the country. And so, as we move forward long-term, that will be another thing that we'll be working on, not just growers in our region, but making sure we're able to share our results with other researchers from, could be the Midwest or the, you know, the, the South or wherever it may be. So, that's that's all on the horizon and we'll continue to build and grow as, as we move forward.
0: But, you know, I, I, I see the cropping systems in Eastern Washington and the diversity as both a blessing and a curse for you. It's it's great to have such a diverse environments to try different things out and see how they work, but it does require a lot of difference. Uh, you, you mentioned the Horse Heaven Hills, which is, I believe, perhaps the driest uh, wheat producing area in the world. At least Bill Schillinger used to say it was, and if it's not, it's awful close. And then you come over, uh, parts of the Plouse probably wouldn't even qualify as dry land because they get over 20 inches of rainfall a year. So. On average, so it's it's very diverse, great opportunities, uh, but definitely as you mentioned, a lot of work. Wish you well. Uh, we'll be following what you're doing. I think this on farm work, um, well, the whole spectrum. It's it's the way to go, and I'm glad to see ARS uh, collaborating with WSU scientists to get to the answers that the growers need. Thanks. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheatbeat podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lion. That's l y o n at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at wsu small grains. The WSU Wheatbeat Podcast is a production of Connor's Communications and the College of of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.